Pastor Hank. Do we have any uh, bowlers? Any bowlers in the house? Anybody bowl? Austin. Debbie just bowled a 267. Two, 257? Next time it's going to be 267. You're going to do prophetically. We just agree. 257. That's pretty, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. Isn't it? I mean, that is like bad to the bone. That's like crazy. You could almost be professional, couldn't you? Is that, what is that? When 300 is a perfect score, is that the perfect score? So all those strikes, that's, that's incredible. I, uh, the first time I went bowling, I fell and got hurt. <laughs> the ball was too small in my fingers. The, the, I went to throw it Alden, and my body went with the ball. There was the ball, me, Lord, 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 it was a scary. Um, I love to teach on, I love to teach on the seed. I love, and everybody, has um, paper. everybody has your paper. And uh, I will be brief this evening as I have been trying to stay around a 15 to 20 minute window. But um, I want to talk about the principle, the purpose, and the power of a seed. Most of you that have been with me a while know my story of uh, I was 19, 20 years of age and uh, got introduced to marijuana and alcohol at the age of 18, all of that. And uh, I partied with uh, wealthy people. Uh, the, the two brothers that I partied with, their dad had created a whiskey called Henshaw's Whiskey. It was a Henshaw's Whiskey and a Henshaw's Vodka, and they had their own alcohol. And they had 63 what we call liquor stores in California. Usually it's a store that services beer and alcohol. And, and, uh, and so these guys that I partied with were very wealthy, so they bought expensive pot. And uh, some of this Maui Wowie and, and Puna Bud and all that was like $400 an ounce. That was 38 years ago. 400, there's 30 joints in an ounce, $400 an ounce. And so um, I had the privilege of when they when they got done smoking all their pot, I got all the seeds. And so I collected them. And so every week or two, I would add. I was staying at my grandparents. My, my grandfather had a, uh, a Silver Stream trailer, full, full, full trailer, and I lived there. That's where I lived, and I worked for a, uh, a company that made uh, motorhomes. And uh, I was the guy trained to, well, I was the, I was the when, if somebody didn't show up that day, Edward, I was the guy. So whether it was insulation or wiring or plumbing, uh, we, we built, we took a minivan and we cut it off at the cab and then we added, uh, we were the first to do that in Southern California, it's called Tropicana. We were the first company to actually modify the, the van and turn it into a, uh, it was really a rolling bar, it had a real nice bar in it. Anyway, that's, that's where I was working, I lived with my grandparents. And it was my goal one day to have my own place and grow my own marijuana. I figured that would be cheap, that'd be just, I had all these high-dollar seeds. I said, man, I really... Well, I, one day I realized, you know what? I ain't never going to have my own place. I'm just a pothead. I'm just a drunk. I'll probably never... So I got mad, and I took the bag of seeds, and I opened the trailer door, and I threw them out in the backyard. And when I did, the bag burst, and these seeds went all over the, all over the back lawn. And uh, didn't think a whole lot about it. A couple days later, my grandpa had a little rototiller, and about every three or four years, he'd have his own garden. And so he decided that year he was going to have his own garden. So he went and got the rototiller, and he, he rototilled it. He put in rows, and he put in, started planting things. And, 
and watered them and lo and behold the peas came up the, the green be the beans came up the okra came up and this other little plant just showed up periodically like sparsely saturated throughout the uh, well I was smart enough to know that grandpa was growing my marijuana for me and of course I had two or three cousins and we all smoked pot we were all watching the plants and and David they grew and grew and finally they got then the resin then you knew they were they were ready the day before we were going to sneak in and, and dig up and my grandpa he acted like he didn't know but he knew one day he stopped the place and uh, he pulled one up showed it to the officer and I said, oh, yeah, that's marijuana. we got to pull it all up. So it all got pulled up. So I didn't get the, the, the benefit of that seed. But the first point I want to make tonight is simply, you got to get your seed in the ground. you got to get your seed in the ground. Mark 4, verse 1 through 9. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. The whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell amongst thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed, look at somebody say other. other. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And I like what he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. This is not just a story about a farmer that, that has a... A crop and goes and sows and works it and waters it and harvests it. There's a spiritual truth here that Jesus has put in this parable. And as you read a little later in the chapter, Jesus will actually, when the disciples are all together, not to the multitude, but when the disciples are there, they ask about the parable. And he start, so he started to explain the parable. And he spiritualized it by saying the seed is the word of God. And it talks about the different ways that we can sow the word of God, the different ways that we can expect to reap things from the word of God. But there was such a more tangible uh, element here that he was trying to bring to pass. And I just want to take a few minutes and share some stuff with you that I believe will be a blessing. The, the law of sowing and reaping was birthed in Genesis 8. How do you remember what happened in Genesis 6? Anyone? There was a flood. Wiped out the world. Everything died. Everything was destroyed. The only thing that survived was Noah, his three sons, their wives, and his wife. Eight of them survived. It probably rained for nine months. The waters probably didn't subside for six months. So they were on the ark a year and a half. Noah sends out a raven. It flies around a little bit, comes back. Sends out a dove. It comes back a week later. He sends out another dove. And it comes back with an olive branch, letting them know that it was okay to get off the ark and get on land. When they got on land, the first thing that Noah did was he offered a sacrifice to God. And the Bible says the sacrifice that Noah offered to God was a sweet aroma, well-pleasing to the Lord. And when that sacrifice reached God in heaven, the Bible says that God remembered Noah. And he said, I want to establish this law. From this day forward, I will never destroy the world again with water. And from this day forward, there will be three things. Seed, time, and harvest. 
seed, time, and harvest. And there he establishes the law of sowing and reaping. In Genesis 1, when he begins to create, he begins to direct, he begins to speak, he declares that every tree was a seed-bearing tree, every herb was a seed-bearing herb. I have a beautiful um, Japanese maple in my, in my backyard, and almost without exception, every year, sometime during the course of that tree, that there were seeds that will fall on the ground, and because there's real good ground underneath there, my little, crepe, my little Japanese myrtle will start growing up, and throughout the summer, they might get to be six or eight foot, and I dig those up and transplant them, and I have probably harvested about 15 to 20 Japanese maples. I've given them away. I've planted them in the house. And you know, if you go to buy a Japanese maple about that tall, it's $100. They're very expensive, and they're, they're very nice. But it's, it's crazy. Everything that God created, he created with the purpose of having a seed. Most of you know I'm not an annual kind of guy. I'm a perennial kind of guy. Uh, perennials double about every two years, and so I like to plant something that's going to come back the next year. But every year I get this wild hair, and I'll go buy five pounds of wild a seed. And it's got like all kinds of different flowers and mixed in, in it. And what I'll do is I'll take that, that seed, and I'll just throw it out in the garden. And I've already got perennials coming up, but in between the perennials, all of a sudden, these beautiful, well, I call them wildflowers. I don't know what you call them, but my whole garden has got these wildflowers growing, and then they will, be, then they will, they will bloom, and then they will turn to seed, and then I'll shake the seed, David, and the next year, they'll come back up. I've also grown some pretty good weeds. Edward and Ashley missed a couple of weeks ago when I brought a weed that was six foot tall. It was literally six foot tall. I kept, I kept what was it? I, I literally six foot tall, and I thought sooner or later this weed is going to turn. It's going to flower. It's going to do something. But it never did. It just turned into more seed and grew more weeds. But there is a law that God has established, and God has declared: if you will get your seed in the ground, something's going to happen. So it's important to get your seed in the in the ground. The second thing I need to talk about is is the type of soil. I remember in my life. I've sowed a lot of things, and I've sowed some things that wasn't in good soil. And I didn't, I didn't do very well. Whatever I, whatever I reap was not, was not good to reap, but I, I didn't do very well. But, but I have learned if you, if you seek out your soil and take care of your soil, if you hang around me and I plant something in the ground, I'm going to go to Lowe's, and I'm going to buy that, that potting soil that it doesn't just have fertilizer in it. It has styrofoam in it. And that styrofoam holds the moisture that when you water it, the, the water doesn't just seep through, but it clings to the styrofoam, and that way it waters the plant two or three times just by watering it once. And I'll tell you, I can water my garden all summer long with a garden hose. It does okay, but Al, you let it rain one time. And that, I mean, that garden will burst. It will bloom into color, and I believe there's I've got just something about the rain from heaven that God has blessed us with. But the second thing that you need to realize is that not everything that you want to plant in is good soil. Uh, Christine's not here to defend herself, but she came to us several months ago with the desire. At first, we thought it was a guitar. I got her guitar and showed her a few chords, and then she said, I want to learn the piano. And we have a very good friend that I went to college with, Cynthia, a very good teacher, and uh, she's $120 a month. I think it's $30 a session, four, four times. And uh, Christine decided after... Uh, six, eight months that she didn't want to uh, take piano anymore. That was, she was too busy with Remnant and the church, everything going on. 
So Christine and I had a talk. And I sat her down and I said, listen, I have sowed over $800 into your piano lessons. Right. And I, you, when you came to me, you said you would stick with it, that you would do it. It's expensive. I'll take care of it. I said, I have made that investment in you. And I'm here to tell you, and I don't want to get sidetracked here, but language is another lesson. I said, Christine, there will come a day when I can hand you something by Bach or something by Beethoven or something by the Beatles and never hearing, never hearing the song, never singing the song, you can open it, and because of what you know in music, you can play it like it's another language, and music is powerful. And my, my talk did some good. She said, okay, she said, I'll, she said, I'll stay with it. I'd like to learn some chords. I said, okay, I'll teach some chords. And lo and behold, that evening, Kelly, I promise you, I didn't call, the, I didn't call Cynthia, that evening, Cynthia told Christine, she said, you're doing great in the book. Matter of fact, she bragged, said, you're my best student in the class, but she said, he said, but I feel like you're wanting more. How about if we do the book and then I teach you some chords so you can play some worship songs? Now, how crazy is that? I just spoke that the day before, and then God confirmed it. But the point that I was making was when, I, when Christine came to me and said, I want to take piano lessons, I said, I said I'll do it. I said, I'll, I'll work it out my budget. It's expensive. I want you to stick with it. And then when she felt like that she didn't, she didn't want to do it anymore, a little pep talk from her dad, and I didn't threaten her anything, but if, if, she had, if that hadn't worked, I probably would have threatened her. But she, she realized the value. Christine, I've sold 800 That's a lot of money. I've sold $800 into your ability to play the piano, and, and we just don't have it. I mean, we had to budget. We had to cut. We had to make it. We made it work, and she knew we made it work. And because she decided to keep with it, now she's playing chords, and now she's doing worship and all of that. We thank God for that. The third thing that I want to bring to your attention is that it's important to continue to plant your seed because some seed has a longevity. Let me reset. Some seed has a lifespan longer than other seed. And I think the best way to illustrate that is that Gene uh, and uh, Leela have a, a Catahoula. And uh, he's, he's a great dog. He's my dog. He's a hunting dog. And he has two wives. And uh, he's very promiscuous. Oh, Lord. And he keeps his wives oh, with child. And I have learned that in six weeks, we'll get anywhere from six to eight puppies. And Leela's been selling them for 50 bucks a pop. So it's a little blessing to make a little money. And, uh, but I, I've learned that in six weeks, that puppy can have six or eight. But you know it takes two years for an elephant to bear a child. Two years. So there's some seed that responds right away. And then some seed it takes a little longer to mature, to, 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 to germinate and produce a crop. So you can't get discouraged, and you gotta know that it's better, if the, more, the more fields that you sow in, and I'll share that in a minute, the better your harvest will become. Am I making sense to anybody in the building? The soil that, number four, the soil that produces will multiply, we will reap more than we have. And that is just a, oh, just a, just a, a, a basic lesson. I spent some time with the largest cucumber grower in Indiana. And I did the full gospel businessmen's conference there. He picked me up from the airport. Just a great, just a, just a great guy. But he, he began to explain to me how they produce the cucumber. And right before the cucumber uh, puts forth a bloom, they don't water it. And it, what it does, it puts stress on the plant. This is pretty crazy. And it makes the plant double produce a bloom. So the cucumber, right when it's getting ready to put forth that, and from that bloom comes the cucumbers. Right before it gets ready to bloom, they will deprave it of water, 
And that, that, that deprav depravity, is that the word? Let's say that's it. Depravity. The depravity of that water causes that plant to do something phenomenal. It doubles its, its output. And, and you, you would think that's, that's the crazy thing at all. But if you get the soil in the ground, get the seed in the soil, and you got seed in different soil, sooner or later, one of those are going to turn around and bring a harvest. Does that help anybody at all? Five, you're going to reap in proportion what you sow. And I think the best way to illustrate this is to look up into the heavens. And we shared this about three weeks ago. When you look up in the heavens, there's two things. There's three things, actually, I can always identify. Number one, obviously, is the moon. <laughs> uh, the moon, you get it? Never mind. The other thing that I can identify with is the little dipper. And the third thing that I can identify with is the Big Dipper. And if you'll look at the Little Dipper, you'll see that the handle and the top of the pot is aimed towards heaven. If you'll look at the Big Dipper, you will see that it looks like the pot has been turned upside down and is facing the earth. And what a perfect illustration of what when we sow into God, then God allows that Big Dipper to bless us. I've said it for years. You can't outgive God. I think there's a song that says you can't outgive God. And right when you think you have, you say, not an on a boo would look there, God, what I did. Then he just blows your socks off with something that is so crazy that it's almost hard to grasp and almost hard to comprehend. I have received mail in the past several years. I, I would open that up and I would look at that and the, the seed or the offering or whatever, whatever it was, was so far beyond my grasp and so far beyond what I expected to return. So to understand that your seed in proportion depends upon your harvest. In other words, if you plant a little seed, you're going to grow a little crop. But if you plant a lot of seed and, and you take care of it, you're going to grow a big crop. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Something that I, that I want to share in, in, in the notes tonight about number six, I want you to say, if you didn't expect a harvest from last year, you probably won't get it. I think that when a farmer digs the soil, plants the seed, waters, fertilizes, stakes, that, plant, that farmer will go back at a certain time of year expecting a harvest. And I've heard people say, my whole, my whole life, they've, it's not necessarily a prosperity message. It's just a reality message that when you sow in the things of God, God's going to bless you and God's going to miss you. And I hear people say, well, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Absolutely. Because the more you give, help me, the more you receive. And so that make that I don't argue with them, but they try to say, well, you know, you're not supposed to expect money, not supposed to expect this, you're not supposed to expect that. I said, why? God's word says that you will reap what you sow. And I'll get into that in just a minute. I'm doing good. The seventh thing I want to bring to your attention is that you've got to have confidence in two things. The seed you sow and the soil you sow it in. And if I, if I were to bring, oh, here is an offering envelope. We sow. Every time an offering is given at harvest, Pastor Ron and I sow because we've seen the value of sowing into an envelope. But this field represents so many different ministries. The Bible says that when you minister to the widow and the orphan and the person in jail, you're doing the, the will of God and I come up, I, I probably didn't come up with it, but I've been credited for years for saying it. If it's God's will, it's God's bill, that God will bring the finances to support the project. 
that he's spoken into you for you to, for, for you to be blessed. And then the, the eighth thing I want to bring your attention, once you see the fruit, it doesn't matter the price you paid or how much trouble you went to sow or watch over, it's all worth it. Once you see what God does with you and the things in your life, it's like, well, I only gave a couple hours of that. Well, I only did this or that. And God is overwhelmed with that. Once you get overwhelmed by the blessings of God, two things happen. You're appreciative, and you can't wait to get back out there. Help me. And so again. And so I wrote down some notes here that I just wanted to bring to your attention that you might want to just turn your paper over, or you can write it right there. The first thing that I want to bring to your attention is Galatians 6, 6 and 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So here we're, here we're faced with this option. We have seed. Are you going to sow it in the fleshly carnal? Are you going to sow it in the, in the spiritual godly? It's your choice. You, you, have, you, have, you have the right to make that decision. Where are you going to sow your time? I don't want to get into that. Where are you going to sow your finances? I don't want to get into that. But when you make that decision that my focus is going to be on the things of God, then God will overwhelm you with the things of God. But when you sow to the things of the earth, and I think about uh, just recently a horrible story of somebody overdosing on meth and another story of someone overdosing on heroin, and I got to thinking about they sowed in bad stuff. They, they invested in the wrong thing, and it took their life. And then we have in our life, like me, that, that struggle with, with dependency, with, with drug, with alcohol, with t- tobacco, all of that. Because we sowed money in buying drugs and we sowed money in buying alcohol. And that in turn, if, if you do drugs long enough and you drink long enough, it's going to hurt this temple. And my attitude, if I had known I was going to live this long, actually, I'd have taken better care of this, <laughs> this body. But that's just the truth. The second truth I want to I leave with you is a list of things that you can sow. A list of things that you can sow. And the first, thing, the first thing that I have here in things you can sow is excess. Is excess. You're tired of the story of when uh, God told me to go to my closet and take things that I hadn't worn out in a year and I gave it away. You know the story. Within two days, uh, a very wealthy businessman came by this church in this lobby and gave me six or seven Armani suits, each St. Laurent, like, like suits I would... Al, I would have never paid three or four hundred dollars for a suit. That's just not the way I roll. But these were three and four hundred dollar suits, and I saw when I took extra that I had in my closet that I wasn't wearing, that I wasn't using, and I gave it to somebody who would wear it and who would use it. God automatically gave me a brand new wardrobe, and it was within a forty-eight hour window that all this took place. The second thing that you can, that you can sew is a smile. You can change almost every relationship you have in your life with a smile. And that's not from the Bible. That's from Mother Teresa. That was the law she lived by. Smile. We sing a song that says, smile a while and give your face a rest. Raise your hands to the one you love the best. Then shake hands with someone nearby and greet them with a smile. Remember that? Oh, there was another, that was another one too. That was a black chorus we used to sing. Everybody smile, smile. Yeah, anyway, it, it's a really upset individual that doesn't return a smile. Did you ever notice that? You smile at them, they wonder what you're up to. But sooner or later, nine times out of ten, you smile at somebody, especially if you get that penitent smile, they're going to smile right back at you. Right. The third thing that I, I want you to know in, in Psalm 126, 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. 
He that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves. I used, I used to think that word was sheets. I said, well, what do sheets have to do with anything? Sheets on the bed, you know. Then I, then I realized it's sheaves of wheat. You sow seed, and then, and then you reap wheat. And so God honors tears. When you have a burden for someone, or you're, or you're interceding for someone, and the tears, are, the, the tears are going out, God said, they that sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. I'm going to turn your tears around, and I'm going to bring joy. You can reap kindness. Nine times out of ten, if you're kind to somebody... They're, they're kind back. But that's not the reason why we're kind. We're kind to them so that God will be kind to us. Does that help anybody? We're kind to them so that God will be kind to us. We can sow money. Obviously, there's, there's things that we can sow. I helped a single mom this week with a tank of gas. Did I have it? Not really. Not, not, I, mean, I mean, I made it happen, but just to go do that, I really didn't have it to do that. But I did it knowing that God would turn around and that God will, will bless me because I trust him. You can sow your time. You can take an hour of your life and sow it in the, into somebody. Sow it into a project. Sow it into a ministry. You can take your talents. And this church is full of talented people that they bring their... I was hoping that Ron and Becky was going to be here. Uh, Ron and Becky have catered some of the projects that we have done. And they're incredible at what they do. And there are those in this house, you're incredible. Your, your talent, you're incredible what you do. And uh, I always made the statement, if I owned a landscaping company... This, this lawn would be the best-looking lawn in the nation. I just, I've always felt like that. If I had the tools to do that, then I would make the church right. I know that sounds silly, but that's just the way that I roll. You can sow favor. You can sow favor. When you, when you not bend the rules, but when you make the rules work to give somebody a blessing, God's always going to turn that around for you. If you sow a favor, you're going to reap a favor. You can, as a mentor, you can, sow, you can sow all of your knowledge, all your expertise. You can sow that into the life of somebody. The Bible says that Isaac sowed, and that same year he brought out a hundredfold return. So when you sow, don't expect, well, five or ten years from now, God's going to bless that. No, there are seasons. And in that season of sowing, there's a season of reaping. And as you sow, the Bible says there's coming a day when the sower is going to overtake the reaper. That's where I'd like to live. I'd like to be the one who just sows and sows and sows. It comes and it goes out. It comes and it goes out. That's the way that I want to roll. But I had a... Um, I had, a, I had a revelation. Let me share this truth first. In, Luke, in Le Leviticus 19 and Deuteronomy 24, it says, Don't reap the corners. The field was rectangular, and whatever it was, wheat or corn or whatever, they were, to, they were to reap it, but they weren't to reap the corners. The reason being, the poor, the single moms, those that were hurting, could go and they could reap the corners. And God established that. What, what, what you have extra of, don't hoard it. Don't be stingy. Share it. Let others be blessed in your blessing. And let them be blessed so God can turn around and bless you again. Does that help anybody? Deuteronomy 24 is if you don't reap the corners, the alien, the orphan, and the widow will come and they'll be able to eat. And that's the way I want to roll. I don't want to be stingy. I don't want to hog it all. I want to share. I want to be able to give some of it away. I want people to be blessed. Sowing in the kingdom of God, in the house of God, Haggai 1 and 6 says, hey, you got clothes they don't fit, you got food, it's not any good, you're putting money in pockets with holes in them, you're, you're, you're investing in your house, but you're letting the house of God lie in waste. And it was a letter, Haggai was a letter of rebuke that he, God was telling his people, get your priorities in order, and as you sow in the house of God, God will sow in your house. You know what? I'd rather have God sowing in my house than me sowing. Because God's wallet, obviously, God's bulldozer is bigger than mine. And then I wanted to 
to go to 1 Corinthians 9 and 6, it says, He that soweth sparingly, he shall also reap sparingly. And that was principle eight, that the more seed you get in the ground, the more that you will reap. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11, sow six, no sow seven, because you don't know which area God is going to bless. One scripture in Ecclesiastes says, sow in the morning, sow in the night. Again, you don't know which one that God is going to bless. I'm going to conclude this teaching with a revelation. I didn't read this in a book. Nobody shared this with me. I felt like that God gave it to me. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, when I think about that scripture, it tells me God has an unlimited supply of sources. He has everything he needs to keep me out of trouble, to keep me out of danger, to give me money, to give me things that I need to do what he's called me to do. God has it all. The way that I tap into God is I tap into his laws and I honor them. Remember I told you a while ago, you're going to reap what you sow. If you sow marijuana seeds, you're going to reap marijuana seeds. When they found the King Tut that had been buried 2,000 years, they, put, they said that that treasure, Pastor Todd, would house, feed, and clothe the 13 million people of Mexico City. I think at that time Mexico City was the largest city in the world. His treasure would house, feed, and clothe the 13 million people in Mexico City for the rest of their life. That's how wealthy that treasure was. When they went to put the treasure on display, they, they put some corn in the, in the tomb so King Tut could eat. You know, of course, he's dead. We know all of that, the money. We know all that. When they moved the corn from the tomb to the trucks, some spilled out. A couple of weeks later, they went by, and corn was about this tall. Corn, the seed that was 2,000 years old, sprouted. What a testimony. That's a seed that God has given us and God has said. But this is the revelation I want to make. Would everybody in the building agree with me? You reap what you sow. Irre irre irrevocable. There's no way to go back on it. That is the law of God. So watch this. I have a need. It's a serious need. I really need some help. I really don't have everything I need to take care of that need. Okay? But... Courtney may have a need. And it might be just not something really complicated or expensive, but she has a need. If I take care of Courtney's need, watch this. I've sowed a need. I'm going to reap what? A need. Understand that's the principle and the purpose of God. You will reap what you sow, and God wants to meet. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for this, allowing me to share this lesson. Are there any questions? Hundreds of them. I did it, I taught so well, there's no, Miss Kelly.